sermon. Are you ready for some, like, of God's Word and to Scripture? And let's jump in. We're in a series called Let's Say Grace. So we're going to talk a little bit this morning uh, about grace. Uh, Galatians, the book of Galatians, the, the letter to the Galatian church, which is found in the New Testament. So if you're new to the Bible, if it's something that's um, a little confusing to you, if you were given a Bible a long time ago and, you know, you need to open it up, um, at the very beginning is, uh, don't laugh at this, I'm, I'm serious, there's a table of contents because sometimes the New Testament letters are so short, they're hard to find. So use the table of contents. Galatians is, is near the back of the, of the Bible. And um, we believe, scholars believe that Galatians was actually the first letter written by Paul. Many, many of them believe that Galatians was one of the very early letters written by Paul, which is interesting in that we find in Galatians some things that were really important in the earliest of, of church, this experiment that we, we now know as church. There are some things that, that, that Paul was doing here. Uh, when I was in college, Anderson University, go Ravens, soar, Ravens, soar, nobody. Anyway, um, so disappointing. Indiana, yeah, okay, there we go. Um, United States. <laughs> I was in college. I was undergrad. I think I, I maybe was either a sophomore or junior. I can't remember which year it was. But I was a Christian ministries and a business major. I double majored Christian ministry and, uh, and, and business administration. And in the Christian ministry major, I had some choices of classes that I wanted to take. And so many of them sounded so boring to me. And uh, there was a class that came up as an option called Galatians. And there was a verse in Galatians I really liked. And so I thought, well, I should take a, a class on Galatians. Now, the only challenge to this class was it was a graduate level class for uh, the School of Theology for pastors in training who were at a different academic le level than those who were in undergrad classes. Are you following? So it was going to be a more difficult, but they were allowing undergrad to take it if they wanted to, but they let us know it's going to be a little bit harder. I remember first day of Galatians going in. I think Dr. Timothy Dwyer was my professor. Go in. I remember sitting down and being so excited, like I'm in a graduate level class. Like I am one of the smartest people you know right now because I'm in a graduate level class. And uh, did you know that if you write a check to a college, they'll let you sit in any class you want to sit in? <laughs> Even if there are prerequisites in the book, like if you write that check, most colleges in this day and age, they just don't care. Like write the check, you can go in the class, sit there as long as you want. I only sat there for like five minutes before I realized I was way out of my league. You know what I mean? Um, I've heard Jim Gaffigan say this. It's like you're... you're Someone asked him, you know, what's it like to have multiple kids, like as many kids as you have? And he said, well, imagine you're drowning and someone throws you a baby. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. Because all of a sudden, our professor was talking about, was he writing the letter to North Galatia or South Galatia? Because those were very different in South Galatia. You had uh, kind of a Celtic influence, and they were like barbarians in South Galatia. And in South Galatia, like when they went to war, they would go to war without clothes. They didn't wear anything. They were just barbarians, and they would go in bearing all and try to kill other people. And I'm sitting here thinking, 
I just liked one of the verses in Galatians <laughs> where it says there, there's, there's no more Greek or Jew. Like, I, that's what I like right there. Like, I just like the one verse, and I have no idea what you're talking about right now. I had no clue what was going on. It seemed like a simple letter, and what I found was a much more intense understanding. And uh, sometimes we like to do that to grace, don't we? Like we like to, 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 to take a concept or, or, or something that God wants us to experience and like make it so confusing and difficult for other people. And we think by doing that, like it's actually because we're so deep. Like I'm so deep. And so, you know, grace is, yeah, grace might be what you think it is, but really let me tell you what grace really is. And we're going to dig down and... There were some people who used to go to war without clothes on. They had Celtic influence. They were in southern Galatia. Now, there were northern, uh, there, was a, there was a northern area too, different people there. Let me tell you about that. Like, we like to, to I loved last week. I hope, if you, if you weren't here, that you listened to it, where, where, where Don just so, so simple that grace alone is enough. Jesus alone, faith alone. And in chapter 1 and 2 of Galatians, that's exactly what Paul is trying to do. Forget who he was writing to for a minute. Forget all the, the, the challenges of in, in the 2000s in North America, trying to figure out the contextual ideas and concepts that we're going. Forget all of that because I think if you miss everything else, don't miss this. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything to God. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And, and we as humans have a way of liking, we, we like to add on Jesus plus some other things. Jesus plus behavior and I think what Paul wants us to understand is, like, when you add rules or law to the gospel that is Jesus Christ, that that equals nothing. Like, there's no good in that. Like, that's been tried. People have run with that for years. And some of you right now are getting really nervous, even me saying that, because you're like, but Matt, does that mean everybody can just do whatever they want? And you want me to answer it. Some of you are like, <laughs> does it? And Paul's saying at the beginning, look, it's grace is completely a gift from God. And it has nothing to do with your behavior. Nothing to do with your behavior. Grace is a free gift from God. I, I'm just trying to put an exclamation point on what Don did so well last week. And if you missed it, I, go back on, on uh, YouTube and, and, and listen and, and watch that. Now, Paul. Uh, Paul, who authored Galatians, uh, there's a lot of things thought about Paul in today's world. And if you were to open up some books from some scholars, there are some scholars who think Paul was um, uh, a little bit too narrow and through our lenses today, in the world today, we like to pull some things out of context that Paul wrote and, and try to place them on our context in today's world, and it's so confusing. And sometimes we do that, and we're like, oh, well, Paul said this, which means 
uh, this for us today, which is a really um, uh, um, difficult thing and unhealthy thing for us to do because there is so much context within what we find in the New Testament. Are you with me? It is not easy to read the words of Paul and simply take them and place them onto the culture we live in today. There is work to be done before we can understand fully what Paul was, was trying to say. And it's important to do that. Not just, so sometimes you, you might just read the New Testament and you think, oh my goodness, that seems so narrow. Like there's only one way? Like Jesus is the only way? And the, gosh, that seems so narrow. But we... We fail to understand some context around what he was saying in order to understand it in today's context. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give us a little overview of, of Galatians in three chapters. Now, some of you are going to love this. You're going to nerd out with me just for a minute. Um, I'll bring the other ones back in a couple of minutes when it, when it gets super into like every, every single day. Is that okay? Are you with me? Okay. Now... Um, in your, in your journals, we, we put this, uh, when, we, when we do a book like, like Galatians, we put this map in there. You can't read anything. Don't take a picture of this screen because it's, like, it's just too much. But it's actually in your journal, which is awesome. You can actually look at it in your journal. And the Bible Project, who puts this together, it's one of our mission partners. We, we support them financially because we use so many of their materials. They actually put videos together that explain this. If you're, if you're a, like someone who needs the video, uh, instead of writing, some of us learn by hearing and seeing things move. And like, then watch the video, Galatians video online. It is so helpful. And, and what they do is they help us understand some contextual pieces and where Paul is going through the chapters. And so in, in chapter 1 and 2, it is simply the good news of Jesus. That's what, they, that's what Paul wants people to understand is the good news of Jesus, and it's the, the message of grace. Grace alone, faith alone, that's it. Are you with me? Simple, like God's blessing on you, it's his grace. And it's only by faith. You cannot earn this. I, like, don't miss this. You cannot earn God's love. There is not good enough in the kingdom. Now, pause. Um, some, sometimes I'm asked the question, doesn't it feel narrow for us to say that Jesus is the only way? And, and I believe it's actually a widening of the message that God wants us to understand. Because here's the problem. Jesus' grace, God's love, is so much bigger than we can understand or we can enact ourselves. So much bigger. It's so much better than we ever imagined it to be. Now, that's good news. You should smile. You should smile in church anyway. Can you smile? Good. It's, it's good. Like, it's, it's so much better than we ever, God's grace is so much better than we ever imagined, and it's so much better than we are. Do you agree with me? Yes. Okay. You can say amen in church too. You can talk to me sometimes. It's all good. Now, if it's up to us, here's the great challenge. Many of us just want to say, but aren't, if you're a good person, isn't that enough? Well, the question becomes, well, how good is good enough? If it's up to it being good enough, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm going to go to heaven when, when I die because I'm good enough. My question is, who sets the standard for good enough? I hope it's not me and you. 
Because I know we like to, to judge those that we don't think are good enough. And the awesome thing about God is it's not based on behavior. It's based on his goodness and his love. And so to say that Jesus is the, the, the way, he's the truth, he's, he's the way, is not a narrowing. It's actually a widening because we're the ones who tend to narrow the focus. Are you with me? Now that is good news in this world. Because all of us tend to narrow the focus onto people that we think should get in and exclude those that we think aren't good enough. And every religion does this as well. But the good news and what Paul is trying to write in Galatians is that everyone gets a seat at the table. No one's excluded from the grace of God. Man, man, I wish somebody would say something. So chapter 2, chapter 3 and 4, is that, that this grace, like enacted in the world through Jesus Christ, forms a new multi-ethnic family. Now that's hard for us, because we like to be around people who look like us, act like us, vote like us, dress like us, cheer like Auburn like us, all those kind of things that, like, we like what we like, and it's easy for us to get in our little bubble and try to exclude people who may not believe like me or act like me, and what, what Paul is writing to the church in Galatia and what he's trying to, I think, capture for all of us to understand is that it's not ethnic lines that divide the world, but rather Jesus crashes through those walls and barriers and opens the table and invites everyone to dinner. And that, my friends, is the good news of grace. Everyone has a seat at the table. Everyone gets a seat at the table. God doesn't say, I want everyone to come to the table except for, and let me give you a few lists, those who don't do this and this and this. No, 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 no. Grace is for everyone. And I'm so thankful for that message. Now, so first two chapters, good news of grace. Second two chapters, we're forming this whole new multi-ethnic family, which is crazy in the day and age. And we'll get there in just a second because that's the chapters we're in today. Uh, but then... Uh, you, you begin to ask, well, what kind of, like, are there any behavioral things that are a part of it, or does it just mean you can do whatever you want? And I think where, where, where Paul takes it in Galatians chapter 5 and 6, which are the next two weeks, is that he says this, we're transformed not by behavior modification, which is what most of us enjoy doing. And we might not enjoy it, but it feels good to us. Be behavior modification, follow these rules, do this list of things, and you're in. I love that, personally. Teacher, is that going to be on the test? No. Okay, I'm not going to write it down because it doesn't matter. Is that going to be on the test? Yes, that's going to be on the test. I'm going to write that down because I want to know exactly what's on the test. I want to know how to get into heaven when I die. Anybody else with me? We want to know that, right? So just give me the bare minimums, and if I need to change my behavior to do that, I'll do it. How many of you have been told by a doctor? Well, don't raise your hands. This might not be something you want to raise your hand to, but you've been told by a doctor, look, your, your cholesterol is a little high. You know, you might want to think about doing some things. You can maybe take this, and this will help. And then, you know, your, what you eat's important, and maybe some exercise. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. Until you have that heart attack or that episode where you find yourself in the hospital, and the doctor says to you, if you don't change your exercising and your eating patterns, if you don't do that, you're going to die. And you're transformed 
not just to like, it's not just like, it's like I'm transformed when I realize how important it is what I put into my body and what I do with my body. Does that make sense? Are you with me? We're transformed from the inside out, not just by changing some, some things that are, you know, a list of things. And so this is where we go in chapters 5 and 6. We're transformed by the Spirit who works from the inside out. It's not just about behavior modification. Now, Understand this, grace is the foundation of Christianity and the essence of salvation. I heard Judas Smith say this. It is, it's the foundation of Christianity and the essence of salvation. We cannot understand God without leaning into his grace. It's so very important. So here's where I'm going to geek out for a second. We're going to look at, if you've got your Bibles or your um, cell phones, you can look on version. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, and what, what Paul's doing here, and, and Don talked a little bit on the edge about this last week, is what had happened is they were living in grace. The, this church that had sprung up because of Paul's influence, they were living in grace, and then you had some Jewish people who set in, came in and they said, you know what, grace is awesome, Jesus is awesome, but you also need to follow these food rules. Like, remember uh, Don talking about ham last week? Ham sandwiches? And you got hungry because of that. And I talked about carne asada, and now some of you are hungry because of that. And he was talking about ham sandwiches. So follow these food rules. And then I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon that someone said the word circumcision so many times. Most of the men, <laughs> men walked out of the room really confused. But uh, I didn't count, but it was at least 10 times, uh, which I've never heard in a sermon. Anyway, so he talked about those things because the Jewish people were coming in saying, hey, if you really want to know, Jesus is good, but you also have to do these things. Even Peter, who was, you know, he was on the inside of everything. Even Peter began to change his ways. And that's when Don cussed in the sermon. So now you really got to go watch it on YouTube. (laughs) So here's what Paul is doing. He's trying to help the, the, the Jewish influence and the Jewish people among the Galatian churches understand that God's grace was the precursor to the law that they had when Moses came. So this is what he says. Abraham believed God. In other words, Abraham had faith in God or Abraham trusted God. You could insert those words. Abraham trusted God and God counted him as, what's that next word? Righteous. Oh, you didn't have it. (laughs) After that. Yes, Abraham. (laughs) Magic. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as, what's that next word? Righteous. God counted him as righteous, which means... Righteous means if there's a broken relationship, righteous means made right. So this understanding that we're all disconnected from God, all of us are disconnected from God. All of us, uh, Paul writes somewhere else, have turned to our own ways. Like we're all engaged in the things that we want to be engaged in. We've all turned away from God. We, We have this disconnect. And so Abraham, which predates Moses, are you with me? Um, He believed God, and God counted him as righteous, set right, because of his trust, his faith. It wasn't out of his action or his behavior that God said, you're good. 
God didn't go, Abraham, you're good if you do these few things. No, he said, because you trust me, you're good. Grace in the Old Testament predated law. So the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. And what's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time when, when the Gentiles... So the outsiders, so think about the outsiders. If you've ever felt on the outside of faith, which I think if I asked you to raise your hand, have you ever felt like you were on the outside of faith? All of us, right, have felt like we don't belong. We just don't belong. Well, Paul is saying, uh, scriptures even look forward to this time when outsiders would be made right by faith because God proclaimed this. All nations, Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. All who put their faith in in Jesus share in this blessing that God gave to who? Abraham. And Abraham came before the law. Grace existed before the law existed. And the good news is we're made right not because we can follow some sort of list of rules or law. We are made right, reconnected with God based solely on Jesus. And that is grace. Amen? That's good news for everyone. Some of you are sitting here today and you have felt like you're on the outside of the faith, like you only come because someone makes you come and you're trying to make someone else happy and they bring you and you come like kicking and screaming, like I don't really want to go to church. Church is boring. It doesn't have anything to do with my life. And the good news for you is that God, through his grace, has loved you more than you can ever imagine. And there's nothing you can do to earn that love. It's just there. That's good news. You don't have to earn his favor, his blessing. He already already gives it to you. And then he goes on. uh, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like new clothes. Now, um, sometimes we have a little bit of a question about what does this mean? Does it mean only if I'm baptized do I have, like, am I a Christian? Like, baptism is the thing that makes me a Christian? No. You're faith makes you a Christian. If it's baptism that makes you a Christian, we're back in the same boat that they were in Galatia, that it's our actions that make us Christians. No, no, no. Like what makes us Christians is our faith in what Jesus did. God's grace alone, grace alone, faith alone. Are you with me still? Some of you, if you're sleeping, maybe start coming back right now. This is why baptism is so important to us, not because it makes you a Christian, but it's the signal that you're a Christian. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute in the, uh, in the first century world, which is very difficult for us, you had the insiders who were the Jewish people. You had like Greeks and Romans who were kind of like a little bit more elite. You had landowners and those who owned slaves, and you had all these different like kind of elite. And then you had slaves, you had servants, you had the poor, you had wide divisions of people. And what what was happening was these people were coming together. And the first church had nothing to do with worship services like we we have right now. Like what we're doing right here, this didn't happen in the first century church. You know what church was in the first century? It was a meal. Hallelujah, amen. Let's eat. (laughs) It was a meal. And and sometimes we think, well, 
Like, that's, that's it? Why, did, why was a meal that big of a deal? Because when you had someone who, like, owned all the land in a village and someone who worked that land as a slave, when you had these two classes of people sitting at a table across from one another, sharing a meal based on the grace of Jesus, eating bread that represented his body, which was broken, drinking wine, which represented his blood, which was poured out for all people, everything changed at that table. And it was scandalous in that culture. Those people can't eat together. A man and a woman at the same table? That does not happen. This was a new multi-ethnic family where everybody had a seat at the table. And what would happen is they would come together, they would have these long meals. Meals weren't like McDonald meals or Chick-fil-A meals or like sitting down at a table for five minutes and eating as quickly as we can and asking some niceties and being done and getting up and walking away. And if it was an hour, you were like, that took an hour? Man, that was a long dinner. Their meals went on forever. Not forever, because they would still be going on, but they went on for hours. Like long meals, where people from different social stratus came together and, and everything was broken down and relationships were changing at a table. And every time they ate, it was, it was a picture of God's grace. The grace that they had received it was the grace that they were beginning to share. It's why in almost every letter Paul wrote, he would say, grace and peace to you. It's why I sign, when I, when I write a letter or I send an email, most often my ending is grace and peace. Grace and peace. Because I think it was like what Jesus was trying to institute in this world. Now, church... If we are to be a multi-ethnic, I mean multi-person kind of a movement in this world, then we can't be the kind of people that build walls that keep people out. We can't be the kind of people that, that add to the message of grace and say, if you don't follow these things, then you can't be in the family of God. No, 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 no. Grace alone, Jesus alone, is what invites us to the table. And, it, and it's what pulls all of us who are different, our different thoughts, our different beliefs, the different ways we vote, all of those things. And when we become, when, when we become just a, uh, a uniform people, we have failed to be the church God has called us to be when we're uniform. Does that make sense? It's not uniformity, it's unity. Based on who? Jesus. Grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone. Not adding all these things that, no, no, that's it. And then, this is the verse that I really liked why I took that Galatians passage or that class. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? No longer Jew. I mean, none of that. For you are all one 
in Christ Jesus. Tearing down the walls, the labels that divide us. I'm tearing all that down, getting rid of it. Paul believed, uh, Scott McKnight said this, Paul believed that the church is God's world-changing social experiment of bringing different people to the same table to share life with one another as a new family. Now look around you. There's some family all around you. And people who aren't here. Let me ask you this. Who's missing from the table? Who do you know that's missing from the table? We receive God's grace and we are called to give God's grace. So, a question. Then why did God give rules? Why did he give the law in the Old Testament? Does, everybody, does anybody ever wonder that? If it's all about grace, then why are there rules in the Old Testament? What's the law for? And Paul answers this question. There are two reasons the law existed. Number one, the law existed to magnify our own weakness and our own sin. That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Like God wanted to magnify that? Absolutely God wanted to magnify that so that we would trust in his grace alone. So that we would know we have no way of earning right standing with him. Like I'm just not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Sitting there in that class, in that graduate level class, I didn't have what it took. It was only by the grace of the professor that I got the grade to get me credit to get through the class. And I need to be reminded that I'm not good enough to get to God. And you need to be reminded of that too. That's what the law was there for, is to remind us that we needed something else. Like we didn't have it in and of ourselves. Isn't that interesting? The law was never meant to be the final word on anything. It was there to help us know we needed a Savior. We needed a God of great grace and love. And the second reason it existed, and Paul writes this about this, is to, to be a set of boundaries, to, to help us have some boundaries before grace arrived and the Spirit began to transform. So it became a, a bit of a set of boundaries to keep us kind of moving in a good direction until grace arrived. So to understand our, our weakness, our sin, and then a set of boundaries. It was good for that reason. Now, here is one of the greatest challenges in the church today, is that we tend to be very focused on rules and regulations. We tend to be focused on those things. We tend to be focused on what in the Old Testament they called law. And when we do that, when we're focused on those things, we become behavior-focused. And when we're behavior-focused, we exclude a lot of people from the kingdom of God. Are you with me? We exclude a lot of people from the kingdom of God. Grace, however, causes us to be focused on Jesus. And the more Jesus-focused or Jesus-conscious we, we become the more the Spirit has room to transform us and give us love to share with those around us. Now, now here's, wake up if you fell asleep. Come back, come back, come back. Here's where the rubber kind of meets the road when it comes to grace. Do we believe 
that Jesus' spirit is enough to convict and move people in and of themselves toward him. Yes? Then why are we so law-focused and rules-focused? Because I think when when we become so rule-focused and excluding and, and making lists of who's in and who's out, which we all do, me included, when we make the list of who's in and who's out, what we're saying is that I don't believe God's Spirit is enough, and I have to make a list to fill in the blanks. Isn't that that interesting? We feel like it's our job to let others know. God's Spirit is enough. Now, does He use us to convict? Does He use us to move people? Yes, absolutely. But He doesn't use us to create a list and rules for other people. So, one last thing. We're going to sing. Some of you are like, the band came up. Are we going to ever sing something? So the question becomes, gosh, if it's all about grace, does that mean I can just do whatever I want? Does it mean you can do whatever you want? Does it mean everybody can just do whatever we want? Oh, grace. We'll just claim grace and just do whatever we want. Um, I was thinking about this this week, and I was, I was thinking about um, my relationship with Robin my wife. She's awesome. How many of you agree that my wife has a lot of grace? Oh, not, you all agree that she's awesome. I get that. But how many of you probably, you you think my wife probably has a great amount of grace for me? Yes, all of you. Yeah, she does. She has so much grace. We've been married for over 20 years. We've grown in our love for one another. Now, what if, in my mind, I began to think, oh my gosh, Robin loves me so much. She forgives me because I'm an idiot most of the time. I make all kinds of mistakes, all that. She forgives me. It just means I can do whatever I want. And what if I took that love and grace that she had given me and just said, I can, I can watch whatever I want. I can talk however I want. I can lay around the house and be as lazy as I want. I can sleep around as much as I want. I can do whatever I want because she has so much grace for me. What would that do to our relationship? It would would make it difficult to say it nicely. (laughs) It's already difficult enough. I know what some of you are thinking. Anyway, it would make it difficult. When we, when we start to think that grace is a license to do whatever we want, we continue in our focus on behavior because that is all about behavior. Can I do whatever I want to do? That's all behavior-based. It's not Jesus-focused. And what we have to understand is that grace is not just a theological concept or principle. Grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And when we fall in love with Jesus, it begins to transform us to be different kinds of people altogether. And as long as we, as followers of Jesus, continue to ask, how far is far? I mean, how far can I go? Can I just do whatever I want to do? We continue in this behavior-based model that is nothing more than religion, and it is powerless to transform us. Jesus. Becoming Jesus-conscious and focused 
Grace alone is the only thing that can transform us. And that, my friends, that is good news. And that's the gospel. Yeah. So let's stand up.